This is the Anatomy of a Scream Pod Squad Network. And welcome back to White Ladies in Crisis. It's a podcast dedicated to women losing their marbles. And I am Joe Lipset, joined as always by Jen Adams. Hi, Jen. Hello. As well as Gina Radcliffe. And uh, yeah, so for the month of March, we have decided that it is Jen's pick and she has chosen The Hand That Rocks the Cradle from 1992. Yes. And uh, ladies, I was shocked by the way this movie opened because I had absolutely no memory of the inciting incident, so much so I ended up messaging the pair of you to be like, wait, this movie starts like this? What? <laughs> totally. Where we're, we're Q from uh, from Star Trek The Next Generation is a big old creeper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, yeah, and I watched it because I have, when you messaged, I hadn't rewatched it yet, and I have very little remem- remembrance of this movie, and mm-hmm. I was like, well, there are two big things you could be talking about, so right? I'm interested were you talking about Ernie Hudson? So I do feel like there's a couple of big points of discussion that we're going to touch on. Ernie mm-hmm. Hudson is 100% one of them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think the yeah. opening and then I think it's mostly like, oh, what does this movie get remembered for? Because I feel like a lot of the big erotic thrillers have a key talking point. And for mm-hmm. me, for this movie, it's Julianne Moore in the Greenhouse, mm. which is probably why I forgot the complete opening of the film, because I was mm-hmm. too busy being like, when do I get to that greenhouse? Mm-hmm. <laughs> See, for me, it's Rebecca De Mornay nursing the baby. Uh, That's okay. what I remember. Okay. But I also was like maybe 10. Like the last time I think I've talked about this movie was probably in the 90s. And it was with other like kids like me. So, oh. so I probably wasn't going to be talking about the big like grown up talking points for this, you know? Right. Ajita, <laughs> <laughs> did you remember this opening? Uh, I, I, I remember that that was the like what her motivation was uh i i didn't remember that the you know the uh assault scene was that graphic no mm-hmm. i didn't either but i i definitely remember the ernie hudson thing and and when i watched again i i kind of made that you know that that emoji with the teeth that's kind of gritting yeah. its teeth mm-hmm. i was like Ooh. yikes face <laughs> i uh i actually saw this in the theater Oh when wow! It came out, and not only did I see it in the theater, I was pulled aside and given a survey of what I thought what? of it. Wow! <laughs> it was like a. It turned out to be like a test screening, and, oh. and I didn't realize it. And so I filled out this survey. I sat down and asked a couple, answered a couple questions about what I thought about the movie, and mm-hmm. I guess they were satisfied with my answers because this turned out to be pretty much the cut that I saw in the theater. Like oh. I, 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 everything I, I, you know, it was one of those things where where I hadn't thought about the movie in a while and then as I'm watching it again I'm like oh I remember this oh I remember this okay Mm -hmm. here we go yeah yeah. same Mm -hmm. but I uh yeah, I, I think we need to, along with the Ernie Hudson thing, we also need to focus on the Julianne Moore character. Because oh my the, gosh. <laughs> it, it's very much from a, a uh, very, very specific time in pop culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that is like the brittle, yuppie businesswoman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. My biggest surprise was that she had a husband. Yeah, I, that I forgot about. That I yep. forgot mm-hmm. about. That, that she that she you know, had a husband who can't stop, like... Acting like a Tex Avery wolf with the presence of a woman who's just wearing like a t-shirt and jogging pants. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh huh. 
Yeah, he's like a dog that just happens to be in the room with peanut butter or something. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it very much feels like, oh, it's coding because even though Julianne Moore is epically gorgeous in this mm-hmm. her feature debut ladies oh my gosh yeah it, it feels like oh well she's such a, a brutal dried up old shrew that she's probably not giving him any and therefore he is salivating at literally every pair of breasts that walks by well mm-hmm. the thing is she doesn't want to have children <gasps> oh my god <laughs> So, you know, she's, you know, the, the woman who is, is good with children is very maternal, is immediately, uh-huh. you know, more alluring to him. Yeah. Yeah. This movie has so much to say about what women should be. You know, uh-huh. I find it really, really interesting, you know. Well, and ironically, I mean, I know that this series is dedicated to erotic thrillers and I almost hit pause after I was done watching it. Because I'm not entirely convinced that this is an erotic thriller. I think, yeah. Jen, when you and I were chatting earlier this week, I said, I think that this movie is a, like, family annihilator revenge movie. Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah, the one uh, thing that stands that stands apart from other erotic thrillers is the husband does not go through a sleeping mm-hmm. with her, which right? Is yeah. a, which is a nice, which is a nice little twist. Mm-hmm. Not even really tempted, you know. No, no. he's he's yeah. very much, he's very much a wife guy. Yeah, he takes a look at the nipples and then he's good. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I mean, and to be fair, Rebecca De Mornay is gorgeous. Yes. But, like, she doesn't even really seem to be that interested in him either. It's more about taking the place of Annabella Skewer. Just destroying her life. Exactly, because, because yeah. Because she perceived her as destroying hers. Right, and, like, taking the rightful life that she lost. And she kind of right. did, though, unintentionally. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It's it's just so, there's a lot here, you know. I don't know if it necessarily holds up, but it is having a conversation that we are still having now. And I think it presents that conversation reasonably well, you know? Yeah. Well, I think that it's, uh, there's a whole genre, a whole subgenre of these kinds of movies in which women are essentially punished for having the audacity of wanting to, of you know, to oh, yeah. work. Yep. Yeah, the whole, yep. the whole, the main, the, the main reason of, you know, that she hires this nanny who is apparently lying about her, her references. She's never been a nanny before in her life, uh, which is, which is a, th- a cliche in these movies. It drives me crazy that nobody ever checks references. Right. <laughs> totally. Mm-hmm. When you're leaving your infant child with someone. Yes. Right. It's like all she needs is that, you know, she's kind of nice. She's pretty. And she you know, helps her find her lost earring. That's like, mm-hmm. that's right. her. And she walks in front of a, bu- a school bus to stop it. <laughs> right. Well, and it's that she can see, she seems like Annabelle Skewer. Like she seems like her yes. kind of person. They're on the know? same right, wavelength. Right, right, right. Uh-huh. Right. But, yeah. but the whole reason is because she's, what the hell is she? She's a greenhouse designer? Oh, <laughs> yeah. I think she's like a horticulturist or something. Like a, yeah. an aspiring plant lady. Yeah, mm. it's one of those only in the movies jobs. <laughs> right. Yes. Mm-hmm. That you grow up thinking is like a fully fledged career that you can right. do. Right. Like, I, I, I can't remember. There's another movie that came out on the same time period where the, there was a character and, and she was like a professional crossword puzzle designer. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> and, like, Stop it. And of, course, and of course, she had like, you know, the San Francisco, you know, uh-huh. uh, uh, what the hell they call those things, the dollhouses or something like that. I'm just like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. She grew up to invent Wordle, I think. Right. 
right exactly <laughs> and uh but yeah so you know the main reason that she is hiring this day is because she she wants to go back to work right away and and, mm-hmm. and even the husband as much as he's a you know a, a, a nice guy uh you know he seems a little taken aback that you know she's just given birth and you know was ready mm-hmm. to go back to work you know which is you know as was i have been fond of pointing out since my my child was very small and i had to go back to work when she was little is not many women have the choice oh yeah yeah uh-huh. to, you know whether or not they're going to go back to work yeah mm-hmm. but but here these movies always kind of subtly suggest that well if you hadn't had to work Mm-hmm. If right. It hadn't, if it hadn't had to be a liberated woman, none of this would have happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it it all goes back to that. Like the woman is responsible for the home, the inside of the home. The man mm-hmm. is responsible for providing that home, but the woman is responsible for everything that goes in it. And so, if anything happens, if there's any kind of like opening force deception to get in, it's the woman's fault, you know. And I also got the sense that she is volunteering, you know. And I might have missed that, but like she's also kind of just one to be outside you know and there's part of me that like gets really frustrated with the amount of childcare that I've had to pay for when I didn't have a choice and mm-hmm. also thinking well yeah she wants to have a life and she wants to do things that don't revolve around a baby so you know yeah. I do like seeing that and I like seeing a character like Julianne Moore who is you know not interested in that at all and I think it's a little bit vilified i can't really decide if julianne moore is vilified in this movie you know what do y'all think it's tricky i think at the time like 1992 you were supposed to perceive her as not being a nice person Mm -hmm. like i I, i'm not quite sure i really get how how they're friends because she just she just really seems to like kind of have this uh, very smug kind of air about her Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm And you, know, you definitely get the impression that you know this is someone that's going to drift apart eventually when when their their lives are tied up with stuff for their kids and all that they're just not gonna or they're gonna you know denigrate that as not being real work. Mm-hmm. But right. I think now now that we know it's you know not a failing on a woman's part to not want to have children, you know she's mm-hmm. probably probably much more relatable than than she would have been yeah right. thirty years ago. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Please don't bring up the year. Yes, this movie oh, is coming. This movie wow. is turning thirty this year. <laughs> oh geez. Well, I'm old. <laughs> I am very intrigued by this because I definitely was on that wavelength about like, okay, are we? What is the message here? Are we mm-hmm. blaming the Annabella Sciorra character because she invites this woman in? When I was looking up reviews, I definitely saw that a number of critics were basically saying, well, if this dumb bitch wasn't so stupid and she had a call to references, none of this movie would have happened, mm-hmm. which I was like, okay, I mean, sure, it's a, it's a slight condemnation on middle class to upper class white ladies who can afford to just say, oh, well, there's a nice white lady in my house, I guess she can take care of my children, but uh-huh. also... I don't know. I mean, I see it definitely more as a, a class critique where I don't know. I I don't actually think that this movie is particularly malicious in its class yeah. critique. And yet it's definitely there, right? Like we can unabashedly mm-hmm. look at Julianne Moore and say, okay, the movie is saying certain things about whether or not she is a value as a woman compared to mm-hmm. a businesswoman. And, you know, Annabella Sierra, like her entire arc is basically just, okay, well, you need to learn to A, trust uh, mentally handicapped people and make fewer racial bias judgments and also mm-hmm. like watch after your damn kids, woman. 
Right. Yeah. <laughs> How dare you think about something else that's not your children all day? Well, and there's a little bit of like when we see Rebecca De Mornay in her like her fancy doctor's wife outfit, she does seem mm-hmm. like more like the Julianne Moore character, you know? Right. Like she's got kind of that bitchy sternness, you know? But there's like, if you think about it, maybe what the movie is thinking it's saying is this kind of ham-fisted, like, the white woman could be just as deceptive as who you think the real bad guy is, you know? Because she lets Ernie Hudson into her house, too, and she has an immediate reaction to Ernie Hudson, which Mm. is something we're probably going to... We have talked about and probably will talk about more, but the real person who is trying to hurt her, she immediately just accepts into her house and with open arms, and there's this big... Like, she leaves Rebecca DeMornay alone with her baby five minutes after meeting her, you know, (sighs) where she makes this this huge deal about Ernie Hudson even picking the baby up when she's known him for months, you know? So it's like... And the ending is her pushing Rebecca de Mornay out the window and her saying, oh, it's okay, Ernie Hudson, you can hold the baby, you know, which was so like, when the little girl gave him a smile and a nod too, I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah, it's a little, it's a, it's a, it's a tap condescending. It just a little bit. Yeah. But it's like the overall message there, I think is this so nineties way of saying, see what you thought. You thought that mm-hmm. it was the white woman who was good, but she's really bad when it's like, it's just really kind of dehumanizing Ernie Hudson and making a point for like assuming things, you know, I don't know if I'm saying that right, but you know, see, I think that, I think the funny thing is like, you know, again, with the, you know, with, with time that has passed and how culture has turned, if you were to make a movie like this now mm-hmm. and play it straight, not, not, oh, not as a parody, people would be like, you know, okay, this is very, this is very ham-handed. That, you yeah. know, the, the, the white lady, the blonde white lady is the villain here. Mm. And I'm not saying yeah. the blonde white ladies don't deserve to be treated as villains. They absolutely do. <laughs> I'm just saying that particularly since 2016, you know, yeah. I, mean, I think there was a movie that came out last year that probably absolutely nobody saw called Karen. Karen. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And everybody heard the plot and they're like, oh, come the fuck on. Uh, you know? Like, I don't need to see a movie about that. I see that, um, all the time <laughs> right All exactly time. exactly yeah. it's it's a little it's a little obvious at this point mm-hmm. whereas where it's now it's like oh it's a you know you've never seen anything like this this pretty white this pretty white lady you're know, being malicious and putting children in harm's <laughs> way uh-huh. you never would have guessed it this woman looks yeah. like a fox news anchor look at what she's capable of <laughs> exactly exactly yeah this is very much like the proto karen movie you know it is funny though, right? Like this was shocking in 1992. Like the events mm-hmm. of this movie were radical. And now we look at it and we're just like, huh, yeah, okay. Right. I mean, I can totally yeah. see it. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were there were there was very there were a lot of similar movies to this, but in this but mostly the 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 woman who was the aggressor was always younger. Mm-hmm. Sometimes sometimes a teenager. And it wasn't usually like a revenge plot. She just, you know, right. saw that she saw this life and, and she wanted it for herself. Mm-hmm. It wasn't anything particularly personal against the the the, the, the mother and wife. Here it's mm-hmm. it's very specific. Mm-hmm. As you pointed out, she doesn't really seem all that interested specifically in the husband. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, she you know it's one more thing that she could put in her arsenal to use against the wife and mm-hmm. you, know, you you took my husband away from me you took my child away from me now i'm going to take everything that you love away from you whether she yeah. actually wants right. any of it in the long run 
you yeah. know, re- remains to be seen. All that matters is just taking it away from right. this other woman. And as I was watching this, you know, the way that Rebecca de Mornay gets in the dis- the situation that she is in, and I felt so much pity for her. Yes. Because she is, because another, like, fundamental theme of this movie is women suffering for the shitty decisions of men you know and women blaming each other for things that they didn't do wrong like until Rebecca Dormonet moves in I keep calling her Rebecca Dormonet Peyton until she moves in and tries to steal Claire's family she hasn't really done anything wrong Mm -hmm. and Claire doesn't do anything wrong at all, but these two women are at each other's throats because it's yeah. this this whole like statement about what women should be and what makes a woman a woman, mm-hmm. you know? And there that's like the underlying theme here. And the men are just completely there. Like the part it cracked me up when Michael fell and he's like, I can't walk, my legs are broken. And it reminded me, have you all ever seen Hot Shots Part Du? Yes. Oh, yeah. Where he says, I can't walk. They've tied my shoelaces together. And I just started <laughs> cracking up because the men are just so inconsequential. Aside from Ernie Hudson, like they just, they're, mm-hmm. they do nothing in this movie, you know, and it's all um, about the women. But it, it should it be like we should be the shitty doctor is the one who starts all of this. And he, you know, not, yes. nobody says anything about how shitty he is. Absolutely. Um, I I do take point with your claim that Michael doesn't do anything because seeing Matt McCoy shirtless with the chest hair was like, Jen, I just had a come to Jesus moment. How dare you? (laughs) I'm sorry. He does have a nice beard, too. I enjoy that. Yes. I have had a crush on him since Police Academy. And this this was a bit of a game changer. I'm not going to lie. Really? I forgot he was in Police Academy. Ah, oh, he's so cute. <laughs> he is cute. He he has very he is such a non-threatening hot person in this movie. You know, yes. like he seems so warm and like and very hot. And that scene mm-hmm. where they're both soaking wet is you know nothing. It's to pretty see good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. I think the closest that this movie gets to an erotic thriller is the nearly will he won't they kind of mm-hmm. moment there. But yeah, I mean, let's be honest, this is probably going to be the nicest dude we ever encounter in this series. Oh, 100%. That's 100%. true. He's kind of fantasy perfect. Like, even when uh, Claire is supposed to go and mail his documents, and of course Peyton throws them in the trash after she has mm-hmm. her bathroom conniption fit, <laughs> he barely gets mad at her. Like, he yeah. gets most mad at her when Claire accuses him of having an affair with mm-hmm. uh, Marlene. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And even then, it's like, oh, he just doesn't want to talk to her. So he just looks right. out the window. Well, and he's so supportive when she tells him that she's been assaulted. Like, that is what mm-hmm. you want when you can when you report to somebody. You want them to take it just as seriously as you do. You want them to let you kind of figure out what you want to do. And he is just so, like, that's exactly the response. Like, he is, okay, I feel a little bit guilty about <laughs> coming down hard on him because he is he's a great guy he's about as as good of a husband as you could kind of hope yeah, for yeah, in yeah this you're, world. you're absolutely right that that he's even the genre in general he he's portrayed much more charitably than than uh a lot of other uh husband <laughs> characters are in yes. these movies like michael douglas and all of them oh my god oh my gosh michael douglas would have been like dragging her off into a coat closet the minute she got into the house oh totally uh-huh. <laughs> 
I mean, I watched this at the exact same time that I was watching Fatal Attraction and Disclosure because I was trying to put together a slash film article about the 15 best erotic thrillers. Mm-hmm. And it was very different from the other films that I had watched for the series because this movie does have a certain amount of heat, but it is so domestic. Like it is mm-hmm. really obsessed with women and children. And I guess one of the things I want to get from the pair of you, because you're both mothers, is that this inciting incident is a two-parter, right? Like, yes, it is the sexual assault. It's deeply uncomfortable. I actually think it's really well-filmed to Mm -hmm. be just the right amount of exploitative. Like, it holds on her discomfort to the point where we understand this is not okay and she is Mm -hmm. deeply affected but then also there's this moment where peyton who we have not met she is informed that her husband is a piece of garbage and then she finds out that her financials have been frozen based on this class action lawsuit and then she stands up we find out that she is very heavily pregnant and then she just collapses on the floor loses the child that is our introduction to the villain of this piece and i i wanted to get your impressions as mothers i think if she had just been a jilted wife and she was going for revenge it'd be very different she's almost sympathetic she is yeah i i felt a lot of sympathy for her at the beginning of the film too because it's not just that she loses this baby it's that she has to have an emergency hysterectomy too yeah it's (laughs) everything like yeah all everything's just like wiped out Yeah, her entire life. And I mean, as much as I think women, there is a very, um, there's a lot of pressure put on women to fill a certain role and to be a wife and a mother. Like, I think that is genuinely something that a lot of women want. So it's something Mm -hmm. that I wanted, you know, and so to have all of that just ripped away in the blink of an eye is devastating. And I could imagine, and her husband kills himself. So she can't. She's it's like she's herself. got nowhere to go with all mm-hmm. of this grief that she has. So I can understand her directing it towards Annabella Sciorra. I was horrified that they put her face on the news. Yeah, I was like, I don't yeah. know they would actually. I don't know if they would actually <laughs> name her and put her photograph up. Like when right. it's, it's something, it's something as sensitive as that. Mm-hmm. I know. I mean, it was the '90s, and I'm not sure what it was like true. then. But there has to be some, you know, contrivances to, you know, oh, how sure. does she find out who? So fine, whatever. Yeah. But still. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I agree with you that this is an interestingly, and I would put her up there as unexpectedly sympathetic, depending on how old you are when you watch it, when you first saw it, as uh, Glenn Close in Fatal Attraction. Mm-hmm. We're actually, I'm actually prepping for an upcoming episode of Kill by Kill, which we're going to close our, for the time being, our erotic thrillers segment with Fatal Attraction, because it's actually oh. a, a very good movie. Mm-hmm. It is. But mm-hmm. you really, you, when you look at it in terms of, it came out in 1987. And then when you look at it now, you see even just, even on YouTube comments, really turned against mm-hmm. Michael Douglas over yes. over the period of the last mm-hmm. couple of decades. <laughs> and that he's manipulative, that, mm-hmm. he's pro- that he's probably lying, that this is his first time having an affair. That he, you know, really, he really, really misleads her. Right. into what kind of situation this is but so you end up feeling more sorry for her than you mm-hmm. might have when you first watched the movie mm-hmm. and yeah rebecca de Mornay does some terrible things in this movie but the way she reacts and the way she lashes out is 
not unreasonable. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, because when things like this happen, you know, a woman often finds that her friends pull away from her. Mm-hmm. You know, that she she has no one to back her up. So she has she's had no time to process what her husband's been accused of. So she's directing her anger and sorrow at the wrong person. Mm-hmm. Which is not you know, I think that a lot of people would do that. Oh yeah. Sure. Mm-hmm. And I'm not I'm not I'm not excusing what she does. I'm just saying that the motivation it makes sense. It, it makes does. sense. Yeah. 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 The, the look on her face the first time she nurses the baby really got to me, you know, because it's mm-hmm. just like this thing that she has wanted to do. And I mean, I, I understand that. Like, I did not really enjoy nursing, but I remember thinking about it up until I did it and just thinking it just seems like this thing that defined you as a woman, whether it should or should not. And there's so much pressure put Mm-hmm. on this this thing and this expression of motherhood and this like what women should be and i can understand her just like kind of losing the perspective to to be able to move on with this you know there's this and you know miscarriage is something that happens so often but nobody yeah. talks about I was, it i was just gonna say i was gonna say the exact same thing yeah. where you know people tend to us because because miscarriages are pretty common Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think I read somewhere that most sexually active heterosexual women will 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 have one at some point, and not mm-hmm. even realize it. Mm-hmm. But if you have one for a child that was wanted, or that when when you're past a point where you figured everything was going to be okay at this point, I, people really underestimate how much that can just fuck you. Oh, up. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I mean, traumatic. I mean, just especially if you're. I mean, now most women thankfully are able to have. A, a successful pregnancy later but mm-hmm. some aren't yeah and, and you know we just kind of dismiss how much that can what an agonizing thing that could be especially when you see other women you know and i'm going to be a little vulgar here but seemingly just popping them out one after uh-huh. one after another with no issue whatsoever because oh you know again you know childbirth is so natural it's supposed to be natural <laughs> to have a you know to uh-huh. get pregnant and have a baby and but so many things can go wrong Yep. Right. Yeah. And and this narrative that it is natural, if it is something that is eluding you, that makes you feel like there's something not natural about right. you. It's like right. the phrasing, there's something wrong you know? with you, that you're broken in some way. Right. And that's honestly how people will treat you. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it's like they don't want to talk about it because they don't know what to say. And I mean, I understand people not knowing what to say, but it's just, yeah, I don't know. Full disclosure, I had one about 10 years ago before I had my first kid. And it was right when like Kate Hudson was having a child and she and like every other celebrity in the world, it seemed like. And I remember just walking through the grocery store and seeing all of these people magazines. The baby with all these, right. Yes. And just wanting to like rip them all and just scream at people and just punch people. And just, it's like this, this rage that like, it's hard because you don't know who to talk to about it because we don't know right. how to talk about it, you know? And so I think that's kind of what the expression that we see that here is she wants to, take this life she thinks should have been hers and mm-hmm. you know and i mean i i don't know there's I mean, she doesn't want to hurt she, she doesn't want to hurt the kids right she wants right. to be the mom to the kids right she wants, she wants to she wants to take over mm-hmm. yeah now i yeah. will say because i don't want to be su- too sympathetic to her but the, i think <laughs> <laughs> the real tell is the way she treats ernie hudson or right. the way she treats solomon like there is 
that is a fundamental personality thing with her that I think does not have anything to do with her wanting to be a mother, you know? Yeah, like, as she sees value or use in someone like the children or like Mike, then mm. she's perfectly nice and you see the facade and then the yeah. minute that she doesn't have a use for you or that you become a threat to her mm -hmm. own personal happiness and goals then all of a sudden the mask drops and you see what she's really like i mean right. i do i think that she has mental issues absolutely mm -hmm. do i get the impression that she was homicidal before all of this went down probably not yeah but no her her mind just snapped after after you know losing her husband and her child and you mm -hmm. know, through through really you know shocking circumstances you know such yeah. a short period of time yeah but do i also think that she was probably like a bit of a bitch uh yeah. probably also yeah like yeah. oh yeah well she was a you know she was a you know a, a rich doctor's wife and then mm -hmm. you know does, doesn't know how to react when all that is taken away from her yeah mm -hmm. i think she would have treated uh solomon the same right. regardless of yeah. the situation well it's the, way, it's the way she treats him though and i'm sure this is pretty intentional is is you know only a you know a vague flip side to the way claire treats him yeah because because mm -hmm. You know, Claire is very suspicious. She's very, she's very uneasy around him, but she's very patient. She talks to him like he's a child. Yes. You know, like, yes. like, like, probably the most uncomfortable scene is when he's trying to hold the baby, and he's holding the baby just fine. Yeah, yeah. that's what I thought too. He's, he's, yeah. he's holding the baby in the proper manner. She's like, oh no, remember what we said about holding mm -hmm. the baby, and it's like. Mm -hmm. And meanwhile, her five-year-old daughter is handling the baby. I'm like, oh, so you think this grown man <laughs> is less capable right. than mean, your five-year-old child? You know, Got right. It. People can be taught, the, if a child can be taught the proper way to hold an infant, then so can a mentally challenged person. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that you do have to know how to, but it's not like rocket science. Yeah, it wasn't like he was carrying the kid under his arm like a football. He exactly. Was, he, was, he was holding it the right, he was holding them the right way. Right. And like there is like there there's a healthy amount of skepticism I think that any parent should have when inviting someone into your home and in sure. allowing them to interact with your kids. But I think the contrast there is how how so comfortable she is immediately with Peyton yep. compared mm -hmm. to Ernie Hudson. Yeah. Okay, so what happens if we pull this lens back and think about how the movie casts Ernie Hudson, who is an able-bodied actor who we've seen in a million other things? to play this role in addition to actually having this role as a kind of Chekhov's plot point? Like, is this just one of those things where we go, well, this is 1992 and we would not do this nowadays? Oh, uh, yeah. I, I, yeah. Yeah. It's, I can't, I, I'm not going to excuse it, but, yeah. you know. I feel like the intentions are in the right place. I feel like it is just not. Well, yeah, I I think that what they're trying to go for is exactly what you guys said is that she put her trust in the wrong person. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But but you know, in the end the the right person comes through and saves the day. Now is that right. a little corny? Yes, it's very corny. But yes. but mm -hmm. I mean, at least they didn't kill him off. You know? That's <laughs> which, true. Which I which I think a, I think a, a lesser movie would have just had him get killed have her uh -huh. killed. Just had him shining mm -hmm. off, you know. Right. Yeah, this movie feels well-intentioned, but you know, we we have the hindsight of thirty years, and we're like, Ooh, you yeah, know, like like, a, like a said grimacing, like Ugh. yeah, like yeah. an A for effort and an E for execution. But we know what you were trying to do. And right. it also, and also the you know the whole how she you know, she makes it look like he was molesting the daughter, and I'm mm. just like, mm, mm -hmm. I mean, 
the speed with which she believed that lie. Oh, very uh, telling, Claire. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. if, uh, personally, if I was uh, if I was Solomon, I'd like hand hand her the kid back and say, "Well, I quit now. Bye." Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and it also is another kind of trope. I he I would not say he is a magical Negro, but he has nothing outside of his in his own life outside of this family and mm-hmm. the lengths that he is willing to go to put himself in danger for this family. Right. I feel like kind yeah. of humanize him as a character, you know. He is a charismatic plot point, I feel like, in this story, rather than a real human, you know. You could easily make this movie now without that character. Oh, like, sure. just, mm-hmm. just, you could, you could, you know, just omit his character entirely and and it would not and, and something against ernie hudson's performance he's fine and i yeah and i and i and I, I like him and whatever i see him in i just think mm-hmm. the it didn't need it then does not need it now nah. yeah okay so what about the asthma and the inhaler because i'll oh confess that was the other thing that i realized i was remembering it was like uh-huh. oh right the greenhouse and oh that fucking inhaler i think this is the movie that began my obsession with like, oh, well, if we've got a character who's got asthma, it's going to be a, where's my inhaler? <laughs> yep, Chekhov's check inhaler. Off inhaler. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember her laying on the porch. It was not until I saw her and just those, those short breaths. That is terrifying. Mm-hmm. And that is an image that I think had stuck with me and laid in my subconscious for a long time. I, I, think, it's, I think it was interesting that they established that she every time she's panics she goes into an asthma attack like when she's leaving the doctor's office at the beginning of the movie after he's essentially assaulted her mm-hmm. she's having a she's having an asthma attack yeah mm-hmm. so i think that i think that's probably a pretty good way of i mean at least they, at least they didn't show like a a very meaningful shot of her close-up of her pulling on the inhaler <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know it's like oh okay she has asthma and i i I, I don't know much about asthma. I, I understand that it's triggered by, by allergies mostly, but I, I, I would assume yeah. that it's triggered by, uh, by anxiety as well. Well, I wonder if it's the hyperventilation of the yeah. panic attack that she's having that kind of triggers. Yeah, that. well, yeah, that yeah, that's also possible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this was the first, my first introduction to asthma. I think. Oh, really? As a kid, okay. yeah, and I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> it really will kill you. I know. Yeah, it, but like the deviousness. Of, like, just draining all of the inhalers. Like, that is some evil villain yeah. shit, you know? Ooh, also, Jen, I'm going to call baloney because I know it's a plot point in the, the 1990 adaptation of It. Oh, is it? Oh, Eddie, uh, 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 yeah, uh, Eddie, yeah, Eddie Kasprak is, because the whole thing with, uh, with the, oh, it says it's placebo, you're, like, sucking in water or something. Right. right. Yeah. Oh, totally. And that I think maybe that when I was reading it, I was like, wait, but it was going to kill Claire in The Hand That Rocks the Cradle. So (laughs) (laughs) it's real, Eddie. And I mean, I know asthma probably is a spectrum and there are some people that have minor versions and some people Mm -hmm. that have extreme versions. But, you know. Yeah, we we know that this is extreme because they tell us that her inhaler is doctor prescribed. You had to get a Mm. prescription for it. (laughs) She's just blasting herself with that thing. I mean, here's the thing. I'm annoyed by it nowadays because it does feel like something we would have seen 30 years ago as a plot point. It Uh works in this movie because they actually, yeah, you're right, Gina. They set it up early and then they go back to the well regularly. So we don't just forget about it and it comes back at the end. Mm -hmm. I think the thing that bothers me the most is watching Annabella Siora 
puff on this thing because she doesn't even get it to her mouth. I'm like, bitch, <laughs> oh, yeah, that is to... not going down your throat. What are you doing? Yeah, I mean, my, I, like I said, I, my mom had asthma, and yeah, you gotta be that thing's gotta be all the way in your mouth to really to yeah. to uh, have any kind of effect. <laughs> what if it's that she just like <laughs> she died because she just wasn't using it properly? <laughs> yeah, she like, she's like managed I'm... to hold on to one she's that like, she didn't she's like, get. I don't want to put my lips on it. That's gross. <laughs> right. <laughs> Do you want to die? Okay. Right. <laughs> well, okay. So there's another medical thing that I'm I'm curious about because in my understanding of nursing, like that's not quite how like you can't keep your milk going for that long without. Well, I don't know. It 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 sort of seems like she. It's hard to tell how long because <laughs> yeah. we don't we we don't know how far along. I mean, she's showing when she's at the appointment where she's mm-hmm. assaulted right and the baby is very small mm-hmm. so yes. this has maybe been three or four months so i don't know that she would be still producing milk that, I... is, that, is, that is a good that is a good question i mean i know there are it things is. you can do to like stimulate production yeah. but i don't know if she would be making enough to feed a baby at that point yeah like mm-hmm. i am i'm sure that it is possible because i think as long as you are stimulating you can keep going Right. You know, not endlessly, but it just seems so, this is one of those things that feels like it was written by a man. And I know it was written right. by a woman, but just like, you know, that that's not how it works in reality. It, it, it does feel a little bit like, you know, what could we do to shock the audience? Well, mm-hmm. let's, right. have her, let's have her nursing the baby because Which, that's- it is shocking. Yeah. Because that's like it the is. ultimate, that's like the ultimate encroaching on- on a woman's territory. That's oh, absolutely a violation. Yeah. When your baby is hungry, it's my breast that feeds him. Oh my <laughs> God. Like, yeah, I mean, it's sort of a, you know, an even darker version of, well, I slept with your husband. Right. You know? yeah. I mean, yeah. But I do want to give the movie kudos for showing nursing because yeah. that is a natural thing that we, I think, stigmatize and oh, sure. force women still to hide do. a lot. Yes, still, still do. So, certainly in the early 90s, uh, oh, you dude. were just mm-hmm. sitting there with the boob out. No way. Yeah, it is pretty brazen in this movie, too. Like, she's just nursing him in front of this stranger, which, mm-hmm. you know, go for it. That's, I don't know how comfortable I would feel doing that, but I do in. I, I appreciated it not being stigmatized at all. Right. Yeah. The stigmatization was the transgression of feeding someone else's baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think if I've ever seen this in any other text. I feel like this did it. And then everybody else said, <laughs> okay, well, it's been done. We can't, right. we can't go to their <laughs> hand that rocks the cradle got there first. Right. Right. I can't think of another story where a woman nurses another. Well, I mean, there is the grapes of wrath. That's not quite the same thing. Mm. but also not a baby so totally (laughs) different thing (laughs) i'm just gonna back away from that one (laughs) (laughs) okay well let's talk about this greenhouse death sequence because do you feel like its iconic status remains unparalleled like do you feel like it lives up to the hype i think it did i was yeah i was into it i i I think it's i think it's, it's pretty great Mm-hmm. It's got the combination of Julianne Moore, so mm-hmm. that's always going to you know make yeah to check stand right out. there exactly yeah yeah several checks maybe um, but then it also has this like 
It's like that Suspiria thing, the Bride of Chucky thing, where it's like mm-hmm. the glass is falling and you yeah. see a reflection in it. And yes, I know Bride of Chucky was way after this movie, but it's just like it's got this really cool visual effect to it. And there's the the question of like, could someone actually die from this? Mm-hmm. And then like the household object killing you. And then yeah, it feels a little. It feels a little. And again, this is before that, but it feels a little. It's a little Final Destination, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it feels. It feels a little hit cock with like the reflection and all and I, I i think it's uh i would not be surprised if this is this one scene that everybody remembers from this movie right mm-hmm. yeah because if you think about it this is also the only death apart from rebecca de mornay at the end right You're which right. is you mm-hmm. know the the culturally mandated well get that bitch out of here we've got to kill the villain yeah in the most symbolic way possible which i just love oh god She's like pale to the white, white picket, picket fence, fence. Yeah. <laughs> I remembered her going out the window. I didn't remember the picket fence. And then I was like, oh, of course, that's why we've been building a fucking white picket fence this entire movie. Right. It's fence shadowing. <laughs> uh, it is very funny in that way. Like, just this movie's obsession with the sheer domesticity. Like, because mm-hmm. even if you start to think about it, this movie barely has time to leave the house. The mm-hmm. majority of the movie is just in this family. Like, oh, my God. It's so threatening. Imagine mm-hmm. if you were in this house and there was a woman who wanted to take your family. Movie, <gasps> go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you never let a woman of power in a power position in your house, which I think is, man, I could write a whole dissertation on that. Right. Just that little speech Just she that gives. one conversation. I was like, oh, this is very telling about how women or how Hollywood thinks women think about other women yeah oh yeah i, I just lo- i just love how like how julia more just openly loathes this nanny mm-hmm. <laughs> from the like the, the minute she the minute her. she sees her <laughs> who is this hot bitch get her out of there right <laughs> <sighs> i mean to be fair she is trying to kill everyone and steal right. the baby yes. so you know but but up until that point she's a really good nanny I mean, <laughs> she is a good nanny, and she's she's you know she's kind to the children. Yeah, you know, you've, got, you've got a lot of these. Uh, I, I keep thinking of this one movie I watched uh, very early in the eighties. Very early, there's a TV we called The Babysitter. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Where mm-hmm. when the parents weren't looking, you know, their behavior towards the kids was kind of neglectful mm-hmm. and like bullying. But yeah. here she's like defending the kid, the older kid from bullies. Right. You know, she, she's gentle with them. She's kind to them. And again, I'm not rewriting this character as a secret heroine or anything. I'm totally right. not. But, yeah. but it is a different take on this kind of character. Right. Well, and I feel like a lot of times when a, it's another woman's story, it is all about taking the husband. And mm-hmm. when the husband's not looking, oftentimes I feel like the new stepmother like doesn't care about the kids or right. something, you know, right. that, yep. that act, that motherhood act is to please the man and here it's like it's the opposite you know mm-hmm. and it's just it's so interesting with what this movie prioritizes in femininity yeah and i think that's why i ultimately ended up finding it very refreshing like this movie has mm-hmm. problems it has not yeah. aged well in certain regards and yet the sheer fact that it was so interested in like i'm gonna come in here i don't really want to fuck your husband i will if i can just because Mm -hmm. i know it'll hurt you but what i really want are those two tykes Mm -hmm. right 
Yeah. And maybe and maybe your house cuz it's a nice house. Yeah, it, that it house is, is gorgeous. a nice house. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and apparently and apparently I don't have I don't have anywhere to live anymore because my husband fucked up all our all our all our finances and everything's uh-huh. tied up in court in, in court cases. That yeah. McMansion was on the market for $900,000. Oh my gosh, are you serious? <laughs> excuse okay, you that that oh that was ooh. when i felt the 30 years i was like oh that thing is four million dollars nowadays for sure well, it also looks like it should be on the cliffs by the sea too and when you yeah, see that's the, the house panel... next to a uh, house on haunted hill right <laughs> exactly yeah but then when you she drives up it's just like on a street corner <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. this is the house that people talk about in apparently the a real house too Really? Yeah, because when I was looking at filming locations on Wikipedia, they were like, Anne Peyton's house is this one. I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> cool. Good to know. I love how the wind chimes are like a dead giveaway. Mm-hmm. That like nobody else in the world would ever have wind chimes except for this one evil woman. So. <laughs> yeah. A harbinger of doom. This woman right. is clearly a sociopath <laughs> because she likes wind chimes. <sighs> so yeah. white lady in crisis. Yes, it is very, that is like the epitome of a white lady in crisis evil house too, you know, <laughs> like that's what they live in. <laughs> oh man. And they try to escape because of the evil husbands that they're married to. Yep. 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 No, this, this was good, but I enjoyed this. It's not a great movie, but I really enjoyed rewatching it and talking about it. It's, it's yeah. another one. Of, it's another one of those that's, there's, there's a little more going on with it than you might think from, from first blush. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, both of those women, I know women like that now. You know? Right. Like, not that would necessarily kill me to steal my children, but, like, this is not, like, these women feel like they could have these exact same motivations today. This mm-hmm. doctor feels like he, I mean, we see this today, you know? So it's, like, a story that, the story itself, I think, in the execution has not aged well, but the story is still very relevant. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Which is why, like, I watch it and I'm like, oh! I could just eat this up. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're we're not quite done with women wanting children and to procreate, but uh, before <laughs> we announce where we're going next month, Jen, how can people get a hold of you? Um, you can find me on social media at Jim Ferratu, and um, you can find me co-hosting the Losers Club podcast about Stephen King. We are working on Dreamcatcher right now. Oh, God. I know. I, there's so much farting in that God, book. Godspeed. Um, Absolutely yep, not. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, much, so much farting is so much like weird made up curse words. I know. Yeah. yeah. Just like the acronyms already. I'm like, okay. SSDD. Well, thoughts and prayers, Jim. Thoughts and prayers. Thank you. And then um, Psychoanalysis, which is a horror therapy podcast about mental health and horror. And we are talking about workplace anxiety this month, which is something mm. I think we can all relate to. So, yep, yep. check me out there. Okay. And Gina, what about you? Uh, my main gig is co-hosting Kill by Kill, a podcast which we talk about horror movies focusing on the characters. Uh, we have started doing the Final Destination series. Mm-hmm. But but this month uh, we will also be covering the '80s horror movie uh, The Unseen. Okay. And we uh, just did an episode on uh, 1980s He Knows You're Alone, which uh, oh. also has some interesting politics about uh, women women's roles, yes. and is uh, you know worth worth a worth a second watch if you've seen it before and kind of dismissed it as another Halloween ripoff. I mean, it's not good, mm-hmm. but but it also has some inter- interesting 
conversation worthy aspects to it so check check that out is that a lady reporter one no 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 that's uh eyes of a stranger this is the one where um a serial killer is going around killing brides to be oh Um, but yeah it's it's, it has a lot of interesting things about notions about how much by 1980 women wanted to get married Mm -hmm. and whether the idea of getting married was something you know sort of you know society telling you well it's time to get married and whether or not you actually wanted to or not right (laughs) but yeah i would i would just just for for that it's it's interesting it also it's the film debut debut of tom hanks who's in it for all about five minutes Mm -hmm. uh does does not get killed off because apparently the director liked him so so much that he couldn't bring himself <laughs> to have him killed on screen. Oh, okay. Tom Hanks strikes again. <laughs> but uh, and I'm also on Twitter and Instagram under Gina Does Things. Nice. Okay. Uh, if folks want to get a hold of me, I can be reached at B Stone My Remote. And of course, Horror Queers, my other podcast with Trace Thurman, comes out every Wednesday. And now it is time to talk about where we're headed next. So uh, I teased it. We're sticking with women who want to procreate, except we're getting far sleazier and far (laughs) trashier. So we are going to be checking out Species, the sci-fi thriller with Natasha Henstridge and a crap ton of other famous people where you're just like, what are you doing in this movie? (laughs) Absolutely bizarrely stat cast. Just, but this is what we did in the 90s, right? Mm -hmm. It's so... It's so wild. So yes, uh, 1995 Species, that's where we're headed next month for April. And uh, one final sign-off, thank you to the Anatomy of a Scream Pod Squad for hosting the podcast. And uh, until Species, I'm going to say, don't build a white picket fence unless you want a lady to end up impaled on it. Right, yeah. Salad advice. Yeah, and always check your greenhouse. Right. Check your greenhouse, check your inhaler, Mm -hmm. and for God's sake, stop making racial assumptions about people who look (laughs) different than you. Please. (laughs) Yeah, stop nursing other people's babies. Right. Well, that one seems like a default given. That's true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you just have to say it. Scream Pod Squad.